Inspirational, educator, persistent, humble, and kind are just a few attributes that come to my mind when I think about my first guest, Aridia Fauzan. Born in Indonesia and through the journey of his life, he now lives in Poland. Ari is a dear friend and a brother to me. I hope you will enjoy his story and tidbits of value shared across this conversation. Hello there, Ari. How are you? How's everything? How's your day been? All good. Just finished work and and that's it. Uh, nothing much special, but that's that's pretty much the day, you know. Like you finish the job, close the laptop. Hopefully, nothing comes up from another notifications right regarding job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, so all good. Okay. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being the first guest on this journey with me. And I'm looking forward to talking with you during this podcast about more kind of to understand you better as a human being as well. I think we we already know each other for around seven or eight years. And I think this gives a better platform to get to know us from a different side. I hope I can add values. I think you always add value. <laughs> so we can start from this. Like, what does adding value mean to you? Um, it depends on, on the context, right? But for me, I always believe whether you are being uh, useful or not, you know. So if you have something to say, then um, if what you are saying is adding a value towards any conversations or not, or whether your presence are actually adding value uh, or you can simply leave, you know. So it's about whether you are contributing <laughs> or not. Uh, I always believe that uh, because some people, you know, sometimes force themselves to be in a certain place just because for the sake of of something, but they know themselves like they are not adding value Um and I think we shouldn't force ourselves to be in the situations where we actually don't want to be just because, I don't know, society tells you to do so and so on. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that is, for someone who is not aware of that, they need to be aware of that before actually taking action? Yeah, it's a. it also comes from the uh, personal choice, right? Um, because, for example, you want to be there for your friend, you know, um, Maybe for your friends, it doesn't mean that you add value because you cannot change the situations or help. But mm-hmm. for you, you think that it's additional value for your friends because maybe you thought that it's kind of like a moral support or being there just for the sake of mm-hmm. supporting your friend. And if that's your choice, then yeah, you, you add value according to what you believe in. Okay, and that that probably varies from situation to situation as well. Like if you're talking about adding value in a workplace towards, as opposed to in a personal life. Mm-hmm. And how did you come to this realization that where you were aware to understand, you know, where you should, if you're not adding value, is I should not talk here, etc. Um, I think depends on the... Uh domain knowledge of what you understand about because sometimes i think like we live in the social media you know of course it's your voice it's your platform you can say whatever you want but i think um we also see the case where uh, um they i believe let's say people don't have enough domain knowledge to talk about what they're supposed to talk mm-hmm. and it just creates the situation worse you know or even sp- split the society just like what we have i think mm-hmm. the way we live in right now um or I, I guess it comes also the fact that like self-awareness about the issues that they are talking about whether they are aware they have enough domain knowledge i don't expect people to be expert but if someone just simply read wikipedia for five minutes and then talk like an expert <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, I I tend to keep myself not to talk about something that I'm not aware of um, mm-hmm. just because, I don't know, um, maybe this will hurt someone, uh, which means we didn't intend to. Uh, mm-hmm. um, or I can be labeled as spreading a certain propaganda. I don't know. 
Okay. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, but I feel like it's also kind of when you're in the moment, it can be very difficult to be aware of those thoughts that because naturally, I feel everyone has a instantaneous thought to react to something instead of taking a moment and uh, realizing, okay, maybe I am not the best person to share my opinion on this. Mm. But I'm just saying because I've noticed this in myself in the previous years where I would someone would be saying something or just because I want to be a part of an of a conversation, I would just jump in, even though I did not know it, like a lot of details about certain uh, topic that was being mentioned. Mm. And then slowly but surely, uh, through self-awareness and through journaling, you kind of realize why why are you doing that? And it's, it's just a people-pleasing behavior. Yeah, I think this is also come from either self-awareness, also take a courage depending on maybe how you were raised or your socio-cultural aspect um, mm-hmm. but as part of your life. For instance... Um, It takes also courage to say, like, I don't know about something. Like, I just don't mm-hmm. have anything to add. Not because I don't care, but I simply don't know if if I have enough domain knowledge to say about mm-hmm. this. You know? So there were a couple of times when people in the party talk about certain things. And I just simply don't know what to add. You know, So I would just enjoy, listen, and maybe learn from it. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe have to double check on it instead of pretending that I know um, or aware about it. Uh, so I would simply like, I just don't have any domain knowledge to add. And this is <laughs> often people think that I am uh, not interested to the conversation, um, but mm-hmm. I just simply don't have anything to add. Um, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So as you mentioned, it also depends on how you were raised. And so how was your childhood? What did, how do you feel like the way you were raised is reflected to who you are today? Um, in? in a lot of cases, I think um, I wasn't realized that I w- had a privilege at least, or my parents provide me a lot of privilege until a certain point in life. Right. Um, because, you know, as a kid, you always compare, oh, this neighbor has this, you know, kids like, oh, this neighbor has more toys or, oh, mm-hmm. this neighbor celebrate uh, the birthday in McDonald's when it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always compare, you know, so you don't even really know what gratitude is. And then your parents always say like, you have this, why do you always want more? Uh, mm-hmm. and then until uh, a certain point, uh, I guess I was 10 or 11 when I, so at that time, like my parents, uh, so we had to move to another place because we built our home and, and then, yeah, we and moved this was to in a bit Indonesia. Sorry, this yeah. was in yeah, Indonesia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we live a bit in the suburb, not far, but um, I would say I start to realize that there are a lot of, people who I would say I had more privilege compared to them, but I still didn't think further about it. Then until one point in the middle of the night, um, we heard a baby crying uh, and we couldn't sleep. So my mom had to check with the neighbor what's going on with the baby, you know. Um, and then, yeah, she she just told my mom that, like, the baby basically uh, hungry and that mm-hmm. they don't have enough food so she tried to give the baby you know just a candy to suck with um hopefully you know it will suit the baby which is not and then uh, my mom started to just like okay what do you need and then help her and and then yeah mm-hmm. notice that i start to question oh yeah i think i was sorry for my language i was an asshole you know i'm not gratitude enough mm-hmm. with what I have, you know, always, I don't know, my mom to cook something else than what she already cooked. Um, so yeah, I think at that point, it it taught me a lesson that like gratitude and attitude, they are your choices. And, and yeah, so depending on how do you 
set both i think that that defines like how you live the way you live okay and that was so so basically that was your early childhood teenage years and how did it proceed from there uh i always try that like situations are temporary it not defines who you are forever because as you remember right um we live in oman where there was a certain point in time that we were struggle with food uh, uh overall mm-hmm. and i always reflect to that moment that it's a temporary thing so and i always try to find something to be grateful for which is we live under mm-hmm. the roof you know um we have clean water although it is very hard and it's very um yeah it's very tricky when you have to think of the situation because you also like figure out okay how can i eat tomorrow um but you know you are not in that bad situations where the mother has to give the candy uh and so on uh and yeah so whenever let's say you are in the situations which is not on your side i always try to tell my mind this is temporary this is temporary and there are a lot of things to be grateful for um still learning about it still uh trying to switch my mind in that situations not define that what you see right now it's going to be forever um and always think that is always a better options in the future yeah i think oman was kind of a pivotal pivotal moment uh in terms of self actualization and self awareness and just learning that you always you're always in a better position than someone else yeah yeah exactly i think um as what who i, I remember i saw this quote from bob marley right they said you don't remember okay you don't realize how strong you are until you realize that being strong is the only choice you have and yeah. and that's exactly how how i think i live through the day uh, at that period of time Yeah I mean I'm also proud of ourselves because I think we we had ample opportunity to kind of give up and quit we could have just gone back home but we kind mm-hmm. we did push through it and hope hopefully our life is still going on but to better better new beginnings Mhm Exactly um so I never I think I never doubted myself at that moment um I mean I questioned the choice but I never doubt myself so it's two different thing uh but I guess yeah as as the moment that my childhood defined right that's gratitude and attitude is a choice so I just switch the attitude you know um either I wanna let's say uh leave Oman in a strong um achievement that we can proud of or we we leave it as let's say I don't know we we give up in the middle you know but eventually we had a choice to make something different yeah and i think that uh, we did make a difference and i'm still to this day proud of that fact that we continue to continue to strive forward and as i, I mean as we're talking about kind of adversity right and you just already talked about gratitude is gratitude and attitude basically are the two things that define you during those moments so how do you feel you since that time now in your life you deal with adversity uh i always think that it's it's always a certain thought which is situations are temporary you know um you deal with a lot of stuff that at that point you think it will it will make your life i don't know a uh, trouble it, it it was troubling but it's never it was never permanent um and i'm also easy to move on from certain stuff that i would say makes my life difficult until a certain point i remember when i was in high school you know um so i broke up with a, a girlfriend right <laughs> and yeah and and then yeah 
and I watched, you know, 500 Days of Summer, which is a very, um, <laughs> yeah. it was you very went through the full de- circle. <laughs> depressing, uh, but also romantic at the same time, but it's more realistic romantic. So I think before high school and during high school, I used to be, okay, like this is the love of my life and she just broke me up and I would not move on, you know, it, it just crashed. But then, uh, I don't know, I started to play football manager. Uh, and then for one week, I just forgot that I had that particular girlfriend, you know? or at least the feeling just gone, you know, you just immerse yourself into another reality and, and then you move on. So yeah, whenever let's say something happened, you just try to immerse yourself in another reality. It's kind of cheating, run away. But, um, mm-hmm. but then, yeah, you leave, I don't know, your virtual reality, like football manager game, and come back stronger. And, and then you just see, like, okay, life move on, goes on. Wouldn't you say, like, if you're immersing yourself, basically you're distracting yourself from that emotion, right? So if you're mm-hmm. coming back again, that emotion, if you haven't resolved it, it's still there. It is, it is, you know, but it's more like you talk to yourself, okay, that happened. Um, I was a fuck up boyfriend, perhaps. That's why she was disappointed. So I had to improve myself. So the next one won't be that disappointed. Um, and then I also forgive myself for, let's say, maybe didn't meet the expectation um, if the person had the certain expectations because you were in the relationship but not thinking too much about it um, because at some point it's just a learning and you become a better person after relationship and relationship. Uh, And then, yeah, I guess, and I hope now I'm a better person um, in this way. Okay. No, I I mean, I, I, there's nothing to disagree with there. I would say you do what what works for you in the end of the day. Uh, so, yeah. So after Oman, you com- moved to a completely new, I would say, reality because a different culture, different people, different region of the world. And you went to Ukraine and you were there for, I believe, seven years. Give no, I think five years. Yeah. Okay. Yes, five years. And mm-hmm. could you just... How was your experience during those five years? Like what, for example, like what I'm looking for, for you to ask answer is like, did you have any kind of idea what the country and people were like before you went there and how it kind of transformed while you were there? Uh, in certain level, yeah. So if people ask, do I have any idea what was Ukraine before I moved? No, I only had like, I think, I met only two Ukrainian in my life before I moved to Ukraine. One was in Indonesia, which was Anastasia Isaki. And the other one was Vitalia Babic and, and Andri. So mm-hmm. it's like the third person. And, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know much about Ukraine. Uh, so when I moved there, of course, the situation was a bit different because they just had the um, revolutions very recently and then the -hmm. situation in 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 crimea uh and donbass um so when i went there and then i i had the stereotype of i think in my first month okay why people here looks a bit sad you know um or like a bit grumpy um but i keep (laughs) it to myself right uh (laughs) because i don't immerse you know i i think who am I, you know, I just have these questions that I talk. Um, and then, yeah, we went to Poland, I think, for International Congress. Um, mm-hmm. And then I walk around the city and then I also compare, you know, like, okay, why in here it's a bit, I wouldn't say it's a bit, it's it's cheerful and, and lively. Um, in Warsaw? And then, yeah, in Warsaw, you know, during that period of summer, because I was in Kiev in summer and then in Warsaw in summer, so uh, yeah, I was wondering, right? And then I brought back these conversations 
to uh, my team in Ukraine, you know, simply just curious what's their thought. And they said, yeah, of course, it's uh, some people are a bit grumpy because, you know, a lot of people who were previously live in Donetsk, they moved to Kiev, they have to build their life, they lost some part of mm-hmm. stuff, for example, or maybe they lost their family, plus the economic situations that made the value of the currency also um, getting weaker and weaker every day. Um, and of course, it's uh, it affects their life, you know, in a bigger aspect. And the uncertainty itself, you know, of, of being there uh, at that moment, you know, because it was very recent. So then, yeah, I, I start to realize that, okay, uh, I think we might not know the whole story of, you know, certain society so it's it's better mm-hmm. to to learn about it us you know and and don't don't judge but rather like to learn of what people are going through because i i don't think i would get this perspective if i don't ask you know with genuine curiosity probably if you just keep it with yourself then you will leave the country and think like yeah uh, eastern europeans they are cold um but mm-hmm. no so you actually realize there are some aspect that somehow affect certain society and and mm-hmm. yeah you have to um i think understand uh, and sympathize and empathize on on that yeah i mean in the it's about cultural understanding right it's about understanding why a person is the way he or she is because of their background because of what they have gone through generationally and i think that's pretty key maybe that's pretty key everywhere in the world but i guess bef- because of because it's similar here in poland as well what i noticed and because of what poland and ukraine uh, what experience we have of these countries because of what their generations have gone through in the past is kind of reflected in how they interact with foreigners especially these days and i think someone who who just comes to visit in these countries as as a tourist they might have this understanding that okay people are just cold and people don't like to interact with foreigners which in our experience i believe it's not the case mm-hmm. i agree um in general i think when we respect something uh which is what the people are going through you know it somehow guide our morals as well to mm-hmm. uh, accustomize towards it how do you think you you as a person have changed since coming to this different culture and learning about it and living in it i would say i'm more curious you know i'm not labeling at at the first i don't know a look and and so on mm-hmm. um being more curious be try to be more interested on the cultural aspect so when i was in ukraine i tried to learn uh, ukrainian tried to visit the museum uh, learning what the country went through because i came from asia which you know in our history book we don't care that much what's happened in europe um <laughs> and yeah exactly because we always think you know and we label all white people they are just colonizer but then it's not true you know yeah. there are white people who also being colonized you know so it changed yeah. this perspective so i i learn about the the countries better um and then yeah difference are just being difference um and i think i accept more differences you know and sometimes i also don't take i think i don't eat the apple just like that what i mean by that was that i guess i told you that like even in poland i encounter racism you know when i walk and then they uh, scream um you get out from poland go back to china and i was like okay but i'm not from china like i don't take it but it's fine <laughs> for me um okay so i just like yeah i don't bite the apple anyway so it doesn't goes you know i don't take this personally mm-hmm. um so yeah that that basically taught me like after you know living in different countries people are just different but as long as you don't take it personally you have a choice whether you want to take it personally or not and 
and that's up to you. Um, so yeah, it, it taught me in that way. And other than that, being grateful um, for what you have coming from a country where I think I had abundant amounts of sun um, and in Europe, mm-hmm. you don't have that much the whole year. Um, so yeah, I don't appreciate well, it depends sun on where enough. you are in Europe. <laughs> yeah, but I don't appreciate sun enough, you know, in Indonesia. Um, I'll, I think you remember that even in Oman, like I went to the desert with a long sleeve, you know, like who the heck went yeah. to the <laughs> desert with a long sleeve. That's just because I don't appreciate the sun enough. You know, I am afraid to be brown um, or to look black. Um, I don't know. It's a cultural preference in Indonesia. Like if you are brown, you are not that attractive enough. I don't know if it's changed or not, but that was me. Now, I think I don't care that much um, because on the summer I will be brown and then on the winter I will be whiter. So, <laughs> yeah, I am like a chameleon. Um <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> I, I think you touch on an important topic here about cultural appropriation, because I I think across Asia is the same, especially like me being growing, growing up in Pakistan. It was always on the media, on the advertisements, you get advertisements of various creams and remedies that can make your skin lighter, because it's always the case that, oh, if you're lighter, you're more attractive and you're more more suitable as a match, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So the, I think it's a part of unlearning as well. When you travel, you kind of unlearn a lot of things that you believe to be true, but they're not true. And you haven't questioned them beforehand. Yeah. Completely agree on that. So coming back to gratitude and attitude, I think it, it kind of boils down to appreciating life. Uh so what what have been moments in your life that made you really appreciate life? Um I mean a, a lot a lot of a lot of stuff. I think the recent one is that you know the yeah the situation in in Ukraine for example it's it's very close um to us you know it's like what from Krakow it's 3 hours drive and then you are already completely in another reality. Um, for example, they don't have enough electricity or like their electricity is not stable. Internet is not stable. And this is the thing that like we get, you know, on a daily basis, just being three hours drive difference. Uh, that's one thing. And then to be able to sleep peacefully in the night without air raid siren, because tomorrow... 24th of February, that will be like one year from the war. So I remember myself mm-hmm. you know, throughout the whole January, February last year, full of anxiety, even though I'm not there. But reading the news makes me anxious, you know. Uh, and then yeah, when the situation happened, it's, it's just like for me, even sleeping now in the, I would say, safe situation. And then... Again, like 300 kilometers, like 500, I think the hours from Krakow, it doesn't feel safe, you know, at that point of time. So there are a lot of things to be grateful for. Um, And the same thing, yeah, I think, I guess in my first week last year, hosted a girl, you know, um, and I live next to the airport in, in Krakow. And... And for me, it's very common to hear, you know, airplane uh, just about to land. And Mm -hmm. yeah, for her, it wasn't. And then I realized the, I think how privileged I I am and grateful that I am not going through that experience, which I hope everyone shouldn't go through because it's scary. You can see from their eyes and their face and... And then, yeah, with that, I I hope any human being should have never experienced that in, in their life. And it's it's scary. And now when you live with proper internet, electricity, you don't hear air-ride sirens, I think we should be grateful. Uh, those, those are like, you don't think maybe it will encounter to your life because life is so much stable. 
but those are the basic things that three hours from our place of where I am right now, it's not always the case. So I don't have things to complain much, honestly, um, compared to what I've seen, you know, three hours from Krakow, uh, what they have to go through in their life at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's heavy and tough to uh, understand, I think, if you're not in that position yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like before being through this situation, like I live in Warsaw, so definitely I'm much further away than where you are from Ukraine. But you, in Pakistan as well, you would always hear about Palestine, about Syria, about Iraq, but you, you would never associate a feeling or emotion with it in the sense that you never really felt the pain because of the distance. Mm-hmm. But because being here and then, you know, just going to the central station and seeing so many people, most of them were women and children uh, coming mm-hmm. in. I think it was quite heartbreaking. Quite, you kind of understand the intensity of the situation, that how people's lives are completely altered overnight. And they had, like, people had so many plans you know that oh i'm mm-hmm. gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna move here start a new job or you know and overnight it just changes completely so i completely yeah. agree with you like you really if you look at it there's not much to complain it's a privileged life that we have uh, living even though in moments you go through certain things and you're like oh my god you know the first thought can be why is this happening to me but i feel like it's a very self-destructive thought Agree. And other than that, I think even in the state of, uh, you know, economic today as well, you know, I guess there are a lot of people um, complaining about inflation, right? The rise of living costs, which is not an ideal situation, of course. But then considering there are other people who got laid off in this situation, I think we should be also grateful that we have a, a job today. Um, it doesn't mean that like, if you are not happy with what you are earning, you shouldn't pursue more. But at the same time, let's say if the company of where you are right now, it's, it's trying their best to keep you or not cutting you off or still, I don't know, giving you a perks to so somehow deal with the inflations, even though not that much. It's also something that I'm not complaining about as well. Um, so people unemployed and then so people who are employed uh, complaining about their earning uh, because of inflation. So it's, you'll never uh, appreciate what you have until you will be on the other side of the road. Yeah, yeah that's completely true. I think it, it kind of boils down into what motivates you as well. And I, like I wanted to touch a bit on, because you're in a leadership position now in your organization, before being in a leadership position, how what was, what was your perspective on motivation and how do you see it now in people that you lead? Um, when it comes to motivation, I think it comes from the self-drive. Uh, you should be inspired by yourself you know you should be interested by yourself and the only thing that drives you should be yourself so it depends on your choice because you will get what you want by being who you are and being who you are meaning to, meaning that you take choices that you decide that you're going to go through this way. So for me, motivation, it comes from being driven of what choice do you want to take and what do you want to achieve by that? But how do you deal with people who seem unmotivated? Once again, it's it's it's, it's their, their choice. I think we, we just give like, some choices, you know, so 
for example, if I don't know, if you do well, then you'll likely make a case for yourself. You can either go for promotions or maybe, you know, someone who works with you will approach you for a different role that may be better than what you are right now. So that's the thing. So on the other hand, if you don't give your best, you know, in any situations, you know, then yeah, you will never know when the opportunity comes up. Because imagine like a, a football team, right? They had like 38 matches per year. They can either give their best and try to not to lose, you know, every single game. Or after, I don't know, five or ten games left, they realize, okay, yeah, we could have done better, you know, in the first beginning of the season. So we will not be relegated. I think that's the same with, with motivations. So either you try your best, something that you can control, which is right now, or you you will regret it someday that you could have done it differently, better um, in the past. So, and that's attitude. It's a matter of what you decide right now, uh, whatever your role is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I remember a few years ago uh, when we were in Isaac, Uh, there we had a president of Isaac International. His name was Vinny, and I remember he, he was like basically he was pitching himself to be elected as the president. And during that international presidents meeting, one of the things he said was, "No matter how much support you have from uh, externally, if you're not motivating yourself, nothing is going to change." And I remember you know thinking about this statement at the time and. It kind of went against everything that you, you you're you're taught in school. At least that what I was taught in school, or uh, in terms of getting external validation. Which, by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong by being validated externally. Up to the point that you internally are already validating yourself, then it's completely fine. But if you're completely depending or dependent on external validation, I think your house is going to crash pretty soon. Yeah, I I think the point that you mentioned, external validations, it's there is nothing wrong with it. Totally agree. It is fine. It's just a matter that like a, a, a support, you know, additional support. Mm-hmm. But until to the point where you cannot decide or leave just because of external validations, that's in my opinion, would ruin the way you take decisions in life just because you always need mm-hmm. external validation. So you should be able to decide for yourself um, and make a choice for yourself. As they say, like, run for your life. Yeah, I, I think it, this, this also goes into having a strong self or high self-esteem. And if you're low on self-esteem or self-confidence, then you're always always looking for external markers that kind of showcase to the world and sadly to yourself that, okay, I'm worth this much. Even though you cannot control those things and what you can control is what's inside of you. Yeah, uh, um, I remember like there was this, I saw on the internet, um, just because someone doesn't see your value, it doesn't mean that you are worthless. And it, it mm-hmm. stuck in, in, in my brain, you know, um, the same stuff when, let's say, I guess like before I have my current job, you know, I was trying to move to a different role, you know, in my previous company and then create my own stuff and then didn't make it well because lacking some resources. So I start to apply for a lot of jobs. And then, you know, you read all of those messages, not good enough or pursue another candidate. Um, you know that you are not that bad. You know, you had the belief to yourself that it's just a matter of time you'll make it. But if you keep reading those messages, you know, you start to question whether I'm good enough or not. Uh, but then, yeah, I always stick to these foundations which I repeat again, like just because someone doesn't see your value doesn't mean you're worthless. So if you know yourself and what you can do, what you can add value, 
don't worry too much about it. You're building on self-worth, especially in times of adversity. What is your opinion on uh, failure and how to deal with failure? Um, what to deal with failure? Simple, um, move on. Just move on. I think you take something from it and then you move on. I and it's and the beauty of like take something from it, learn something from it is that like no one can take it from you, right? I remember I applied to uh, one of Isaac Roll a few years back, didn't get it four times, and then someone asked me these questions in the elections. Um, what happened if you don't get it this, the fifth time? I said, look at my face. Do I look like someone who gave mm-hmm. a F, right? Um, <laughs> because I learned throughout the process and no one takes my learning, you know, and it's only me who takes those learning. So I guess yeah, that's it. As long as you can have a risk tolerance of how, what is the risk aptitude that you can take, you know, when it comes to failure, not all failures are the same, you know. Um, but then, yeah, it depends on the scale of failure. Some you can take learning from it and move on. Some, of course, will require, I think, a bit of regret and then learn and mm-hmm. then move on. So I guess for me, just, yeah, I don't care that much, you know, with the external validations or um, what people will say if you fail. Um, the learning is yours and no one can take away from you. Completely agreed. I think, I think it regret, it also depends on how you use regret, right? So it's like, if you're just going to sulk in it, nothing's going to change. But if you use it kind of as a driver and a motive and use that motivation that, okay, this happened, but I'm never going to allow myself to be in that situation again. I think regret can be a very good teacher as well, but you really need to be self-aware of the fact that it's happened and how you're using that situation to move forward. Yeah, I think it also depends on if you have a support system. Um, and this is something important because if you are not reaching out to someone, you know, um, maybe just because you haven't talked for a while or maybe you just focus on something, Um, I think it's important to have also support system that help you to go through that, uh, to give different perspective. Um, the issues, I wouldn't say the issues. I think the most common thing that I, I notice is that the, the people who let's say have a certain, what they consider as a failure, um, they're not reaching out, asking for help, you know, or asking for suggestions, advice, you know, they keep it within themselves, which basically if they reach out, maybe, you know, things will be a bit easier, you know, and and then maybe it will change their perspective as well that not everyone will judge you from the mistake. Yeah, I, I guess like uh, recently I watched this uh short movie on this book the boy the mole the horse and the fox highly recommend everyone to check it out and one of the lines uh dialogue in the movie is the boy asks the fox what is the hardest things you've ever done and the fox takes a moment and then he replies asking for help and i think it it hit me really hard because i've been in situations in the past presently as well and i think in future as well you you're always you can always be in a situation where you need to ask for help and it comes down to overcoming your ego kind of uh putting it down and knowing that okay there are people who care for you and who will be there to support you but they can't read your mind exactly um that that happened i guess for for years ago um when i had to so basically i had my residence permit in ukraine and i didn't manage to extend on time and then i uh have to go home uh but i don't have enough money you know after being a volunteer 
Um, mm-hmm. And then, but I have to go back because I recently got a job there and so on. Um, then, yeah, I I was really run out of ideas. I don't want to bother my parents. So I posted a post on Facebook asking, you know, if someone want basically crowdfund, but I also, um, I think being very vulnerable, uh, I don't care what people will say, you know, I just crowdfund that I need help. And surprisingly, you get help from the people that you never think of and they care mm-hmm. about you or simply just, you know, want to help. And that solved the case. But to the point when I have to write, there was like a lot of thought of what people will say, what people will say, what people will say. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you just do it. Um, those who care, care. Those who will talk about it, you have no control of what they are going to say or gossiping around. So yeah, screw external validations and external image. Um, you solve your case, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, but I, I completely agree with you. But I think it's like you learn this by going through things. Like you cannot be sitting on the side of a of a game. You know how we watch football or, or we watch cricket or any sport, and you're like, oh, I could do this better, or they should have done this. But you're not on the field, so you don't have an opinion there. <laughs> Unless you're exactly. trying these things out yourself. <laughs> exactly. Until you are on that situation, um, you are simply a, a pundit on TV. You know? Yeah. Completely agreed. So as we talk about a, lo- a, lot of, a lot of things that you've gone through in your life and some exceptional experiences, what would you want uh, your life to symbolize or your how would you like people to remember you? Um, I think as someone who can help them to be better, you know, I help others to be better. I don't say I want to be a superhero or something, but I do really care when it comes to someone who really want to do better uh, for whatever they want to do. I I remember when I was, in my previous job, you know, I always talk like, okay, so I think you should do this, do this, do this in order for you to, to grow further, you know. My first questions would be usually during the one-on-one meeting is that like, if this is your job for the next 10 years, would you be okay with it? And of course, mostly no. And then mm-hmm. I said like, okay, so if it is no, then let's plan something, you know, so then you can grow faster somehow um, and develop your skills better. Um, and that's what I usually, um, I think, enjoy doing. But I can offer support. But if, let's say, it depends on the person whether they want to execute or not, that's, once again, like, attitude is is the choice. But I'm, I'm happy to support people um, if they want to grow. Of course, I cannot support in a lot of aspects, but if there is any way I can support, I would be happy to support. And that's, yeah, that's that's sort of the things that I want to be remembered. Help uh, others as to achieve their dreams or grow better. Um, and yeah, I cannot think of anything else. I mean, I used to have a dream to build a foundation, you know, um, for kids uh or like build a library but i i'm not there yet <laughs> uh, i put yet because i think hopefully certain point in my life i would be able to but yeah i'm not there yet but it's always been my my dream to open a foundation you know to have like a scholarship um under until i think like for certain case and purposes and what is stopping you from doing that or starting on that right now? Um, for now, I just simply don't have enough domain knowledge, you know, because it's not about donating, right? It's about like setting accountability. I don't know much about the tax 
I don't know much about like setting it up. I don't know much about um I don't know how to maintain it, you know, like so for now I just simply don't have all enough information. Um and also the skill set. But I know that at some point in my life I will start that. Uh it just not mm-hmm. everything comes or should be now. Um which is right the the problem of society today, you know. Um if you want something you should get it right away or if someone can do it, you know, before then you should also be able to do it now. Just like marriage, having kids, having a house, you know. Not not everything has to come right now just because other person have it right now. Has it. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's uh there's a huge learning curve where you need you need to switch your mindset from instant gratification to delayed gratification. And I think nine Thanks times out of social media gratification wins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean social media can also be used for positive things, but of mm-hmm. course the way it's created is to have instant dopamine hits. So the more mm-hmm. you use it, the more you get addicted to it. And the mm-hmm. more you're like okay, I need something immediately. Mhm. Is there any uh advice you have for people who are who are you know who doubt themselves or who are low on self-esteem and then they are afraid of starting something that they really want to start or afraid of moving to another country even though I I strongly believe that our bodies and our organism in general is always working for us instead of against us so whenever we have a certain kind of stress or you know anxiety there it's it's a sign for something that needs to change and so you mm-hmm. know as an individual if you're in a job that you don't like or you know anything like that you know what you need to do but you're just afraid to take that step uh, that was a very long question but do you have any advice for them i i think i can say i have a 50-50% advice you know i'm not the best person on planning it perfectly or living with it perfectly but i would say the very first thing to do is plan it and do it step by step you know and when it comes to the the timeline of when you are going to achieve it it depends on the resources you have and and the focus that you want to put in but it has to be consistent right so for example i've been learning german and now polish um i start with it i don't know by when i will be fluent but i consistently having a lesson you know and i don't expect let's say to to be fluent by a certain time or like certain period you know like in 6 months or something that's why i emphasize in the being like if you have resources you know your time mental capacity to actually achieve it fast then um do it but if not just take it step by step as long as it's consistent um you will get it there somewhere you know so because i have a plan let's say to i think my girlfriend already told me like when are you going to drive you know learn how to drive uh, a car and something i have planned it <laughs> but i just never started so i think i will be a fraud of telling this because i i just didn't put it there but I save enough money to to go to the uh, driving school and the same thing when I'm going to put braces on my you know uh tooth um I plan it save enough money um I went to the dentist I think last month to just check and I will go again probably somewhere next month but I plan it since 3 years ago so it's it's a matter of you you plan and then if you yeah. have enough resources right you go for it um if not uh then yeah you just put it in your mind have something that will somehow getting there you know uh, on your plan because you just never know what comes up next right like like we went i want to live in a broad when i was young Uh, so we moved to Oman and then there are some challenges living there you know um yeah. of course it probably will ruin you know your goal but then guess what i turned out living in another country for 
eight years already um, away. Um, I didn't plan it, but the plan went this way just from the very beginning. You know, I thought I will live only for mm-hmm. one year abroad. So, so yeah, um, your plan and your execution is totally on you. As long as you you plan and have like a goal somewhere, you know, you set your own deadline, but how fast you can be, never get pressure on how fast you can achieve it, but rather than will you do it in the end or not. Yeah. So start with the plan, take the first step, and consistency is key. And then, yeah, consistency is the key. Or give up is also a choice if it doesn't work, you know. Um, so it's it's also a choice, but uh, but it comes from the questions like how much do you really want it, right? That's also the question. Yeah. Because maybe you you don't really want it that much, but if you really want it that much, you will get there anyway if it goes along with your actions towards it. Because otherwise, you know, I used to raise in the society where if you pray, you will get it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. Um, it, it, yeah, because with praying, you also need to do action. <laughs> yeah, but my the way my society was raised, you know, a lot of people believe pray should be enough. Um, yeah. But it's not always the case, right? I also used to believe, you know, uh, pray should be enough. I remember myself when I was a kid, I watched Indonesia versus China, uh, a football. We were beaten 5-1, you know, and I, as a kid, it was like 80 minutes something. I literally pray, um, you know, um, reading some Islamic uh yeah, reading some Islamic dua, you know, just like uh, yeah. hopefully Indonesia can score four, but it's not, you know. And then I start to question, you know, the God, like, why you don't grant it, you know? Um, <laughs> it's not in in their control. So anyway, there has to be some action, and not all actions. Yeah, you can take control of it. Yeah, I I think I've been there on the cricket side where the team is losing badly and you know they're gonna lose but you don't know to accept it then you're praying but the other team just prepared better and they were ready for the situation on the day and your team wasn't so yeah it's it's a dilemma (laughs) especially for the team that never win (laughs) i would like to close it out with uh, you sharing your ritual you have a ritual, no? Yeah. I I have a ritual. Um you mean something that I always do? <laughs> yeah. You have a ritual that you mentioned to me when we were talking yesterday. Uh yeah. So in uh I think since I was six years old, um I would say my attendance rate of watching Roma games are ninety five percent. So I I don't miss uh, because when I was a kid when I miss I don't know life before internet it's it's hard you know um, and then if I miss the game I would cry when I was a kid you know so um, yeah I never miss eyes Roma game you know and and then yeah I. I always watch the game for the past 25 years. Uh, although it's not always win, but I don't know. I, I stick with it. That's called the commitment mm-hmm. and loyalty. <laughs> All it's right, not Ari. often. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what is not often? Commitment and loyalty. I mean, it, it's not often that we win, you know. I, I think my... My girlfriend once asked me, like, you can change things a lot of times, you know, uh, because you're bored. But I never get it why you never change your favorite team. You know, it's not that they are always winning and give you pleasure. <laughs> it's always giving you a cardiac attack, you know, because you don't know whether <laughs> they are going to win or not. 
I don't know what are the pleasures of supporting this team, but I don't also understand. I guess it comes from, I don't know, love at the first sight and you stick with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So loyalty and commitment. We're going to end on that. Thank you so much, Ari, for being here, for being part of this journey. I really value you as a friend. And Thanks, man. hopefully looking forward to meeting soon in person. All right. Take care and good luck, man. Ciao, ciao. Thank you.